Eagles Entertainment. With the 13th pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and we have finally arrived at the postseason for college football, which is crazy to say. We've got Heisman Ceremony here this weekend, Army Navies this weekend, getting ready for bowl season, a ton of news to cover, and we will do some of that, and we'll go through some of that news at the top of the show, Saturday Scouting. Ben Fennell and I, we're going to go through some of the All-Star Game announcements that have happened so far this week. We'll go through another mock draft. We've got plenty to hit on right at the top of the show. After that, Ross Tucker is here for pick six, not only to go through what happened in our weekly battle last week during conference championship weekend. But also, let's take stock of the players that Ross has seen every single week out on the road going to college football games. Who are the top players that Ross Tucker saw here this fall? We'll get through that with Ross in pick six. And then we've got a a listener who sent in a mock draft for our draft mailbag. So Ben and I, we are going to go through from pick number one all the way down to 31, that, that person's mock draft. And so, that should be a lesson for all of you out there. If you want a mock draft broken down here on the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you listen to the show, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. If you leave a mock draft or a question or player rankings or whatever it is there in the comment box, we will answer it here in a future edition of our draft mailbag. So we'll get into that mock draft at the end of the show. But before we get there, we've got plenty to hit on with Ben. It's time now for Saturday Scouting. It's time for Saturday Scouting. All right, Ben, we've reached that time of year where the games are pretty much done, man. It's uh, it's kind of sad to say. Obviously, we, lo- we love college football season, and getting into bowl season is fun, and there's always intriguing matchups. Right now, the news cycle is on, like, hyperdrive. We've got players entering the portal, leaving the portal, going, staying in school, leaving school, all the all-star game announcements. So you and I will focus on the latter here today. We've got a bunch of senior bowl names and some shrine bowl names to hit on, and we'll start uh, with the players that have announced their intentions to head to Mobile, Alabama for the senior bowl, and we'll start with the speedy receiver there, Tank Dell from Houston. Yeah, it seems like uh, Senior Bowl's uh, collecting some smaller receivers as well. NFL's always interested in the the track stars and the over-the-top players. You can put the ball in their hands and win downtown, and that's uh, Nathaniel Tank Dell out of Houston. 5'10", only 170 pounds or so in that Deshaun Jackson, Calvin Austin mold. This kid has insane production. 228 career catches, 3,300 yards, 32 touchdowns, over 6 yards after catch per reception. Yep. So he's shown some yak ability and some win over the top. Double digit drops the last two years. Yep. Really struggles anytime a corner is kind of on his back. Manufactured touches. A lot like the way Tutu Atwell played at Louisville. Okay. Uh, we'll see if he can maybe be a, a mid round pick. Yeah, he's a, an interesting player. Obviously, that when you look at that, that speed is going, that game breaking ability is something that is going to catch a lot of people's eyes. A handful of interior linemen added to this list. So we go from one of the smaller receivers uh, in the country to some big boys here, and we'll start with Florida's Osiris Torrance, who is pretty much cemented in the back end of everybody's mock draft. Every mock draft you see is going to have Osiris Torrance's name for the most yeah, part. Yeah, this kid's a massive right guard at Florida. Came over from the University of Louisiana, he's 6'5", 340 in every bit of it. This kid has about 400 pounds uh, in eighth grade, ninth grade, had some bad weight, but he's cleaned that up. Huge hands too, over 11 inches. He's massive. Will punch you kind of through the roof and really jolt rushers uh, and run defenders with his punch. It saves him in pass pro. His feet aren't great in pass pro, but he'll punch you and really knock you off your pass, pass rush path. Very controlled, balanced movements for being 6'5", 340. But he lacks the speed and the quickness to do anything in space. To reach block, climb to the second level, play in the screen game. Reminds me of a higher level like Michael Oweno mm. at Michigan, okay. New England Patriots. Scheme-specific type, but if he's your type, Ravens maybe, yep. you're really going to like him. All right, well, let's go uh, out west here to Andrew Voorhees, another player that will uh, peek into some mock drafts every once in a while. I don't know what to make of this kid. Remind me a little bit of Braden Smith uh, early in his career. He's 6'6", 330. He's got great size, has starts at four different O-line spots in four years. I think over 3,300 snaps played at USC. He looks the part, has a really weird kind of body type, short arm, small wingspan. He's like a 77-inch wingspan, Mm. which is pretty small for an offensive lineman. You typically want them kind of with their... 33-inch arms and into the 80s, at least in wingspan. But he's got really good experience. He's technically sound. He's strong. I bet certain uh, NFL teams will have him in like a third, fourth grade. Some might be a priority free agent. Interesting. So I think he's going to be all over the place, excited for his week. 
All right, let's go to uh, back to the SEC. Emil Echior from Alabama, a player that uh, has been starting, I believe, the last three years. Yep. And it was a big name uh, when he first entered the lineup. And I, I feel like the, the uh, prospects for him moving into the NFL have kind of cooled a little bit. How do you view his, uh, his future? Yeah, you hit a three-year starter, right guard. Good 2020 season, that championship season at Mac Jones and company. Struggled in 2021, really struggled in pass pro last year, but has improved this season despite the team not, you know, in the playoff and, you know, it doubled, you know, two losses as well. But that's kind of the roller coaster career. He's a little over 6'2, 317, great run blocker, good on combos, good on reaches. I think certain teams are going to like him, but Alabama, very experienced, high level football. I could see him being an early day three pick all day long and maybe be a spot, you know, competitive start. Or, uh, late in his career. All right, a couple of Big Ten centers we're going to hit on. One from Minnesota, John Michael Schmitz. My, well, I think my one of my favorite yeah, offensive linemen yep. I studied all summer. Uh, my top center coming in. It was just so much fun to study on tape. Uh, and then Olu, Olu, Oluwatimi from Michigan, <laughs> who uh, was only at Michigan this past year, but was a starter at Virginia the three years prior. Yeah, Michael Schmidt at Michigan, uh, Minnesota, three-and-a-half-year starter at center. Just type his name into Twitter and go find all those highlight pancakes. Nasty finisher. Loves to just... Uh, you know, pancake defenders into the turf, great in latching, controlling, can reach, great quickness off the ball, really fires out of his stance. Just a lot of issues in pass pro. Ducks his head off and lunges, his feet get stale. But he's a really good run blocker, smart kid, experience. And Olu Oluwatimi at Michigan, started at Air Force, then at Virginia, where he really made a name for himself. But 3,400 snaps, all at center. He's smart. He's experienced. He's strong. He's great with stunts, blitzers, pass off. Works great with the right guard, Zach Center. Combo blocks on the move. Really good. Just inconsistent tape, inconsistent techniques. He's off balance too often. Yep. I don't think he's going to be a great tester. Kind of question his athleticism. He's not going to be a Kelsey, Garrett, Bradbury type of mover, but really experienced and really smart kid. He's a guy you're going to have to talk to and kind of work with to really see his value. I kind of liked him a little bit more in pass protection. I felt like he was really strong on contact. He could maintain the integrity of the pocket. I question about his ability to make plays outside of his radius, like outside yeah. of a phone booth. I like think he's going to be like an Eric McCoy type. Right. You know, I don't think he's going mean, wow, to wow outcome, you with yeah. athleticism. Yep. But he's going to kind of control the A gaps and really kind of wrestle with some nose tackles. Never wow you. Yep. But he's going to be a smart player that understands the scheme, calling mic points, picking out blitzers, things like that. All right, let's go over to the defensive front. Uh, we'll start at Clemson. KJ Henry uh, kind of bounced on the scene this year. Year. He yep. was kind of working in the peripheral, but big year this year for the Tigers. Yeah, he was always behind some other kids on that defensive line. I'm blanking on the names right now, but the hulked-up kid that was in that lineup, number three, uh, and then obviously on the other side with Miles Murphy, it deserves some starting nods. But this sure. kid looks the party. 6'4", 255, a bit more of a stand-up rusher, good size, good length, really swooping, segmented rusher. Okay. Everything is like a stutter. Everything's like a setup, and then kind of beats you with a little bit of juice and a little bit of short area quickness. Needs to get stronger at the point. Needs to get stronger tackling. Needs to get stronger in the run game. But he looks the part out there. Has a bit of a Jabal Sheard kind of body and play style to him where I think somebody's going to like him as a pass rusher. And then we'll see if he could be an adequate run defender. All right, let's go uh, to the Midwest to a player that I know very little about. That's Tyler Lacey, the <laughs> pass rusher from Oklahoma State. Yeah, he's a weird player. Four-year starter. He's a heavy outside linebacker stand-up defensive end. He's about 6'4", 285, yep. and will play stand-up. So it's a little bit like the way De uh, DeMarvin Leal played at Texas A&M. Okay. Yep. Maybe John Franklin Myers type, with more of a stout tight, snug defensive end that can slide in a three-tech. Did they kick him inside often? Not uh, here and there. He'd play okay. some four, some four-eye, some three-tech, and some sub-packages, but mostly off the edge. Sometimes standing up, sometimes hand in the turf, sometimes four-point stance. He's thick, he's stout, he's got good juice, just a little stiff. Mm. But I think certain teams, like a Steelers type, Isaiah Bugs, DeMarvin Leal, guys that kind of played off the edge, a little oversized. Yep. You're going to like those types. Interesting. All right, well, let's get to uh, Byron Young from Tennessee, a pass rusher there in the SEC. Hmm. Well, let's hit both Byron Youngs because yeah, they're back-to-back yeah, okay. back here. So we got two the, of them, yep. The Tennessee version is an edge rusher, 6'2", 243, 24 years old, older prospect, is a high-energy, wound-up speed rusher, lots of effort and chase. Just not sure if he has the tools to be an adequate NFL player, to be perfectly honest with you. More of just a sub-rusher, rotational pass rusher at this point in his career. Okay, and then uh, when you look at Alabama, he's more of an interior player. Byron, Byron Young, Young, the other yes. way. Yep, that's a defensive tackle. This is a damn good player. Most of his time in that kind of two-technique role, some two-eye, some head-up with the guard, some three-tech, some four-eye. Reminds me a lot of, like, Justin Matabuke. Okay. You know, and I think you're going to get that type of player who's a real high-energy, stout, three-down player for the Ravens, 
just caught in a deep rotational group. So he doesn't always have the high production. He's a stout, heavy-handed kid with good leverage, good motor. What do these guys do at Alabama rushing the passer? We don't know yet. So he could be a guy with a little more juice to rush the passer at the next level, but you're getting a really good run defender right out the gate. All right, so we're going to follow up our second Byron Young with our second Clemson defensive lineman here, another interior player, Rook Aurorar. We (laughs) talked about him back in the summer. Uh, He is now heading to Mobile. This is this year's version of Zachary Carter. If you'd like Zachary Carter last year, which on any given down for Florida, he'd be a nose tackle, one tech, three tech, head up with the tight end, can line up anywhere. And that's a horror whore out there. Played up and down that line. Surprisingly, really, really good juice off the ball. Would beat offensive linemen with his first step. Get into their pads, knock them back, then play peekaboo. He's a really good player on a really good defensive line. I think some of those guys like Miles Murphy and Brian Brezzi and you know Tyler Davis, I think stole some of his thunder. This kid's a really, really good player. I expect him to go kind of in that Zachary Carter for Darian Mathis range. Okay. Where maybe like the... The sexy draft community is like, ah, he doesn't do a whole lot. But you put on his film and NFL types and NFL D-line coaches are going to be like, get me this guy all day long. I want him in my room. All right, let's go all the way to the secondary now. J.L. Skinner from Boise State, one of the top seniors in the country coming into the season. Uh, Was he 6'4", 210, something like that? And this guy is a great athlete, uh, pure man-to-man player, also could play some deep safety. I mean, is he Kyle Hamilton this year, or is he a Josh Harvey Clements? You know, we've seen the 6'4", 220 safety before. He's got good length. He's a hard-hitting safety, great range. Let's dive into his football IQ a little bit. Let's dive into his ability to, you know, process things, the misdirection. He looks the part. He's got some great highlights. He's down to down play. He needs some cleaning up, though. All right, well, let's get to uh, the Shrine Bowl. A number of names added to the list uh, headed to Las Vegas, and I'll get, do the majority of these players. Um, at wide receiver, we got two guys that I think are really intriguing and two big-bodied kids that move pretty well. We'll start with Bryce Ford Wheaton from West Virginia, 6'3", over 220 pounds, 33-and-a-half-inch arm. So this is a big-bodied kid who was on the freak list last summer, 2021. Outstanding numbers reportedly from the shuttles, the jumps. And you can see that. This kid's got some juice. He's played some special teams, some cover units, and he also can make big plays on offense. He's fought some drop issues throughout his career. But uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton, a very, very intriguing player, just one of many of these height-weight speed prospects at wide receiver in this class. I feel like if you, if you like Nico Collins two years ago, you're going to like him. Well, and that's the thing, is that you add in another player here, Shaq Davis from South Carolina State, 6'5", 215, Ben. 23 yards per catch here this season, seven touchdowns. He led South Carolina State, only 29 catches, but he had a huge game against Jackson State, big rivalry game, three touchdowns there against Deion Sanders' former team. Uh, When you look at Shaq Davis and Bryce Ford Wheaton, two really impressive height, weight, speed athletes at the receiver position going to the Shrine Bowl. A couple offensive linemen here uh, that I admittedly have not done, but I'll give you a little bit of bio info here on Luke Haggard from Indiana, two-and-a-half-year starter at left tackle, uh, was graded out as one of the better offensive of Lyman in the Big Ten this past year, a former junior college transfer. And then uh, Antonio Maffi from UCLA, 6'4", just, just south of 340 pounds. When he first got to campus in 2018, stepped right in as a starter, started the first two years, and then went to the bench for a year and a half, and then came back in and started uh, each of the last two seasons. And so uh, Antonio or Antonio Maffi from UCLA, Luke Haggard uh, from Indiana, both heading to the Shrine Bowl. Now let's go to uh, defensive line, where we've got two veteran nose tackles going to uh, going to the Shrine Bowl. We've got Keandre Coburn from Texas, a big name here, six one and a half, 339 pounds, stood out immediately with his high motor, and he is just known, I think, across college football as an A-plus ambassador of the sport, a longtime team captain. He's been going to uh, like Big 12 Media Day since his sophomore year, a huge representative uh, for the Longhorns and a bit important part of that locker room. And it really took a next step here this past uh, this past season has shown the ability to get after the quarterback. Gerard Clark from Coastal Carolina, six foot four, 340-pound nose tackle, three-year starter and team captain uh, this past year for the Chanticleers, who are undergoing a coaching change, Jamie Chadwell leaving to go uh, to Liberty. So uh, defensive tackle position uh, you know, solidified there for the Shrine Bowl with those two additions. Then you go to the linebacker, Cam Jones from Indiana, Jeremy Banks uh, from uh, from Tennessee. We'll start with Cam Jones. Uh, Dane Brewler was on the podcast back, I want to say like October, saying that Jones, one of his favorite senior linebackers, but 
suffered a season-ending injury. So it was out for, for, from early, mid-October on. And so uh, Cam Jones, we'll see if he's able to go by the time we get to, uh, to late January, but certainly a player to watch there. Could be one of the better players out in Las Vegas if he's able to hit the field. And then Jeremy Banks, he's a converted running back. He made the move from running back to linebacker in the 2019 offseason, became a two-year starter, blew up last year, 2021, and really took off. Uh, it was one of the better players for that volunteer defense. Now let's round it out with three DBs. Louisiana Tech corner Miles Brooks, 6'2", 198. Uh, he was actually originally committed to Arkansas, ended up at Stephen F. Austin, played there for three years, and then transferred this offseason to Louisiana Tech. Had a good year, big corner uh, with some pedigrees. So keep an eye on Miles Brooks out there in Vegas. Jair Brown from Penn State. He was actually announced originally for the Senior Bowl. A couple weeks ago, we broke him down here uh, on the show as if he was heading to Mobile, but he has flipped. He's heading over to the Shrine Bowl. Field safety, junior college transfer, became a starter pretty quickly, and he's just rock solid across the board. I don't know that he's got like one A trait, but Jair Brown can do a number of different things for you at an adequate level in a secondary, which is a valuable piece for a debris group. And then lastly, this guy's kind of the opposite, Ben. Christian Young from Arizona. He's a big-bodied safety, 6'3", 222 pounds. He's lined up all over that back seven. He's played some outside. He's played some safety. He'll roll down and play close to the box as a linebacker as well. Uh, So that position versatility is huge. Absolutely blew up and stuffed the stat sheet a a year ago in 2021, and he was a big-time track athlete in high school in the state of Texas. He's been clocked at 22.5 miles per hour on the GPS. So uh, Christian Young at 6'3", 222. I think we're kind of having that same kind of JL Skinner conversation with him in terms of, all right, well, uh, do you grade the highs? Do you grade the lows? Can you get, get somewhere in the middle? Uh, but Christian Young, a fascinating player, height, weight, speed player uh, at the same time. a good-looking spot. kid, 6'3", 225, very much in that like Divine Diablo mold uh, yes, two years ago yes. out of Virginia Tech. Yep. Yep. No, good call, good call. Um, so, yeah, Christian Young, Arizona, last guy we'll hit on there from the Shrine Bowl. All right, Ben. <sighs> Just talked for a lot there on the Shrine Bowl, guys. Let's now get into the uh, the mock draft roundup here. And this week, uh, we're going to head over to the Pro Football Network. Kent Platt uh, put out a mock draft, and you should be following Kent because uh, he puts out outstanding the relative athletic score, that metric uh, testing or uh, grading out athletic testing throughout the pre-draft process. He put out a mock draft for uh, PFN, and we'll go through uh, the top five uh, because it's starting to it's starting to solidify and be pretty consistent now week to week here. Ben Houston Texans at number one, selecting quarterback Bryce Young. Chicago Bears at number two. Two, taking Alabama pass rusher Will Anderson. Seattle Seahawks at number three. This is where it gets a little interesting. Taking Clemson defensive end Miles Murphy at number three overall. Detroit Lions at number four, taking C.J. Stroud, the quarterback from Ohio State. And then at number five, the Carolina Panthers selecting Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson. Uh, so three quarterbacks and two pass rushers there in the top five. Yeah, some interesting ones. I think we're starting to get the right names, and as I like to call them, just kind of draft boggle, and you're kind of shaking them up and uh, having different pecking orders of the same people. But, you know, Miles Murphy in there, I think, is going to be continually one of the more contentious players through this process. If you thought Trayvon Walker was a contentious player last year, lack of production, more of a height, weight, speed, potential guy, I mean, Miles Murphy has the production. It's not a whole lot of, you know, upside and juice and, and – not, not upside, I shouldn't say upside there, but uh, not as much maybe sexiness as a pass rusher mm. as you would expect in, a, in the top 10. Yeah. I think he's going to be much more of that Bradley Chubb mold of a really strong, stout player yeah. with good energy, good yeah. effort, but always going to leave you wanting a little bit more. I mean, you have an edge rusher in the top five. You want him to look like Miles Garrett out there. You want him to be, you know, Nick Bosa. You want him to be a game wrecker. I'm not sure Murphy's a game wrecker, but a very good player. Anthony Richardson declaring for the draft this week. So uh, now in the top five of this mock draft, we'll see how that holds throughout the course of the pre-draft process. Anthony Richardson, all the tools in the world, um, just not a lot of not a lot of reps, not a lot of experience, and so you're kind of grading off the flashes there uh, for him to go in the top five. The Eagles pick number six. So just after that top five, and the selection here via Kent is Georgia corner Kaylee Ringo. Here's the blurb here from Kent Platt. Uh, it looks like cheating that the Philadelphia Eagles have a pick this high. This the, Their team needs are few. None are glaring. Still, this is America, and the rich getting richer is to be expected. <laughs> Kaylee Ringo is one of the most explosive athletes in the country, able to go from a dead stop or a backpedal into full speed in a different direction almost instantly. He's not as technically sound as some of the top corners that come out recently, but he's able to make up for his relatively few mistakes by utilizing his athletic gifts. So Ben, uh, thoughts on Kaylee Ringo as a top six pick. We haven't seen, seen him mock to the Eagles too often. What are your thoughts on him ending up here in Philadelphia? I think height, weight, speed, he'd fit right in between Darius Slay and James Bradbury here. He looks the part, 6'2", 210, and can run. I mean, that's literally what they have here in Philadelphia in Jonathan Gannon's corner. So uh, whether he has to start right away or not, 
a very interesting prospect and six overall. It's just a luxury of riches considering the season this team has had and get to stockpile, you know, high level prospects like Akili Ringo next year. It's pretty exciting. All right, well, let's uh, round out the top 10 here from Kent. At number seven, the Jacksonville Jaguars taking TCU wide receiver Quentin Johnson. Uh, that's now, I think, two or three weeks in a row we've seen Johnson in the top 10 here, Ben. So uh, we'll see if that's starting to kind of carry a little bit more weight with mock drafters. Number eight, the Arizona Cardinals selecting Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter. The Raiders at number nine taking Ohio State left tackle Paris Johnson. <clears throat> and then the Indianapolis Colts at number 10 taking LSU wide receiver Kayshawn Butte. That uh, mock draft was put out just before Butte dis- uh, uh, announced that he was going to stay in school here this week. So that's some news uh, from the pre-draft cycle. No Kayshawn Butte uh, in this draft. But uh, So real quick, uh, my big takeaway from the top 10, just Jalen Carter falling to eight. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I, Miles Murphy's a really good player, but Miles Murphy at three versus Carter at eight would be surprising for me. I agree. Uh, you know, Jalen Carter falling to eight is almost, you know, incomprehensible at this point. It's a really, really good player. I think it's a top five type of pick. You have a top five type of impact immediately. Top five type of tape in his, you know, three years at Georgia. It'd be crazy to talk about him falling to eight, but, um, you know, let's talk about uh, Keishon Butte returning Mm -hmm. to school for a second. A guy, you know, being mocked 10th overall here and a lot of first round mocks, I think had the potential to still be wide receiver one. I mean, not that far removed from Quentin Johnson going a few picks above him. Jordan Addison's going to go a few picks later. I think a lot of people would have arguments for that. And yep. Keishon Butte could be wide receiver one. Olu Fashinu could have been tackle one. What are we seeing here in the landscape of college football? Typically players that are being projected in the first round don't go back to school. But don't assume you have all the answers on the whys. So I know it's a new kind of landscape of college football. NIL money is out there. Keeps these kids a little bit more, you know, happy and pleased, you know, maybe in the college circuit. Not so eager to rush to the pros to make that money. So um, different strokes for different folks. Not going to assume I know what the decision-making process was. Just very interesting to see high-level prospects heading back to school. But hats off to you. We'll never, ever criticize you for wanting to stay in college. Uh, I thought there was a great conversation on the athletic football show, Dane Brugler and Andy Staples on their, their Prospect to Pros podcast, uh, talking about the NIL impact on us. Namely, it was the senior quarterback class, and it was a really, really good discussion. But just mm-hmm. to, talking about NIL as a whole and how it's affecting the NFL draft process, that was spurring off a, a tweet from Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl. So a, a really co- good conversation. I would encourage you uh, to go and find that one wherever you get your podcast. Uh, let's now, real quick, look at the Eagles' second selection here. Came number, come number 31 overall. It's a player we've already talked about here on the podcast, but we have not really seen this player mocked to the Eagles, Ben. That is Boise State safety, J.L. Skinner. Here's the blurb from Kent. As you may have noticed with other picks in this draft, I'm a big fan of double-dipping to make a weakness a strength. With the Eagles having already taken a corner, I think it's only fitting to add a big, rangy safety like J.L. Skinner with their second pick to help threaten offenses with size and speed in the secondary. Skinner is no slouch outside of his athletic traits either, as one of his biggest strengths is communication pre-snap. A field general on the back end of a defense is like the Eagles. Uh, A field general on the back end of a defense like the Eagles could take them from contender to perennial favorite in this league. So, uh, Ben, like I said, a new pick for us to break down. What are your thoughts on J.L. Skinner's uh, fit in a defense like the Eagles where uh, heavy zone, split safety, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think he'd fit great in a quarter scheme, a guy that, you know, can play in space with great range and obviously comes downhill with some aggression to play some box safety roles or to have some run keys from depth as they have here in Jonathan Gannon's scheme, very much the way Marcus Epps types of, you know, kind of plays, but in just a much larger package. But I think talking about J.L. Skinner going in the first round, is a reflection of this murky safety landscape. Mm. And if you look at, you know, projections and mocks maybe six months ago, who are you seeing here? Jalen Catalan, Jordan Battle, Antonio Johnson, Damani Richardson. Well, all their season, Brandon Josephs. Well, all their stocks kind of fell off a cliff for, you know, just to kind of group it all together. You know there's some high-level safety prospects around college football. Who is going to fall into these roles? And I think the J.L. Skinner types of the world, I think guys like Jamie Robinson are going to fly up boards. More people are realizing Brian Branch is a really high-level player. And there's some other interesting players like, you know, Ronnie Hickman at Ohio State and maybe a guy like um, Kenny Logan at Kansas could Mm. fly up some boards. I think the safety class is all over the place. Any one of these guys could have a huge all-star week, combine, pro days, maybe a bowl game, uh, and kind of leapfrog some other prospects. I think J.L. Skinner in first-round mocks, 
perfect reflection of that class. Yeah, and like you said earlier, I mean, he's a guy that has an opportunity to really prove himself in Mobile uh, at the Senior Bowl. He'll I mean, get DeMarco Helms, you know, yeah. at Alabama, some of those guys could end up being, you know, top five safeties when it's all said and done. Yep. I think this group is all over the place, but there's some really good players out there. All right, well, let's go to uh, the five that went off the board before 31. So just get a sense, again, of who are the players being talked about at the end of the first round. Baltimore Ravens selecting wide receiver Rasheed Rice from SMU at 26. Uh, Osiris Tarrance, the Florida guard, you broke down earlier. Ben, 27 to the Dallas Cowboys. At 28, Buffalo Bills selecting running back B. John Robinson from the University of Texas. At 29, the Minnesota Vikings selecting Emmanuel Forbes, the corner from Mississippi State. And then at number 30, the Kansas City Chiefs selecting pass rusher Felix Anaduke uh, Uzoma from Kansas State. Uh, Ben, I, I love the Rasheed Rice pick. I think that checks a lot of boxes and strikes a lot of the right chords <laughs> there with what the Ravens like. But uh, was there a pick that, that kind of stuck out to you most from those five? Yeah, I think the Ravens adding more receiver firepower certainly uh, in their offseason plans. But love seeing Bijan Robinson to a pair in the backfield with Josh Allen. You know, a guy I think complements the um, Devin Singletary's and those types of running backs a little bit more with his, you know, physicality and his ability to break tackles and be a tone-setting running back. Would love that piece in Buffalo. All right, most likely pick from this mock. Is there a player team selection pairing that you uh, you most liked? I think Paris Johnson to the Raiders all mm. day long. Yeah, it's a great pick. I think they would sprint that card up there. And then uh, where he's going to play on that line, not really sure. But they need to improve some pieces up front. I think they realize the right formula under Josh McDaniels, run the ball, commit to Josh Jacobs. Kind of funny that they didn't pick up his option playing in preseason three. Now he's having a huge season. Interested to see where Josh Jacobs' career goes after this year. So, uh, long story short, Raiders need to improve the O-line. Paris Johnson, yeah, great he, pick. That's the thing is he's played uh, left and right side. He's yep. played tackle and guard, so you can kind of plug him in. And it's, uh, for, Again, uh, I've said this before, talking with people that have been through there, just raving uh, about Paris Johnson and what he's done so far this year. Um, for me, I don't know that this is a, like, I love this pick in the first round, but I love the player team fit, was Noah Sewell to New England. I, I, do, I think with his versatility, <laughs> uh, the, that skill set, you, you could plug him in. And he, I mean, Dante Hightower all day uh, yes. <laughs> in, that, in that scheme. It just makes perfect sense. That's a good so, uh, Oregon good. linebacker Noah Sewell to New England uh, really makes a lot of sense, but maybe that's more of a round two uh, kind of situation. <laughs> um, most shocking pick from this mock draft. It'll be the last one for you. Well, I think we both agree on what the most shocking is, so I'll go with my second most shocking, okay. and that's going to be Brian Brezia Clemson falling number 22 yeah. to the New York Jets. I think the Jets already have the best defensive line room in the NFL. They go too deep. They are big. They are nasty. They could beat you literally up and down any which way. And a guy like Brian Brezzi to that group with a Quinn and Williams and a Sheldon Rankins and a Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers mm. and, you know, Jermaine Johnson in year two and a couple other guys I'm not even mentioning. I mean, that's a dangerous proposition proposition right there for Robert Sala and that group. Don't let Brezzi fall to 22, 31 other teams. Well, the one that just, uh, again, you agree, the most shocking <laughs> was 12 overall. Uh, the Green Bay Packers selecting Kentucky quarterback Will Levis would just be, I mean, just... That's Kent beautiful, with the that's with the gif chaos. with the girl just smiling with the fire behind. Right. Like yeah. just straight throwing <laughs> Discord and a draft analysis right yeah. here. Will Levis, 12 to Green Bay. That is the, the community scene where he walks in with the pizza and the room's on fire and he just like walks out. Like literally like that's Is uh, there a blurb there? Is there an explanation? Uh yeah, there is. I'd have to go and find it. I didn't put I, it in I mean, I wonder if he's got some there. I wonder if he's got some like dynamics of the offseason. Like, okay, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to San Francisco. Okay, Jordan Love, he's going to Indianapolis. That's a landscape for Green Bay. Now to take a new quarterback like there has to be some sort of you know Tetris dichotomy to this pick because if Rodgers is there with the contract and Jordan Love is still there being a first round pick and his option looming then they're going to go you know what Will Levis 12th overall from the University of Kentucky via Penn State Man, I could only imagine what Packers fans in that community on draft day would <laughs> would be doing to their keyboards. All right, so the, the blurb here is, have we seen enough of Jordan Love to know he isn't the guy? Probably not. But we haven't seen enough of Jordan Love to know that he is the guy, and the Packers are facing, facing a crucial crossroads coming into the 2023 season. Aaron Rodgers has seen his on-field ability nosedive in ways the organization is not used to, making quarterback a huge priority for the franchise's long-term health. Will Levis won't be for everyone, but if you've got a little time and 
and patience to bring him up to speed, you will have one of the most talented quarterbacks in this class. Levis has solid size, a strong arm, and better athletic talents than you'd think just looking at him. He's a bit wild in his decision-making, and his accuracy can waver under pressure. But when he's on, you'll have some serious wow moments at quarterback. So uh, that is the blurb there from Kent on that pick. But again, that would just be like, if just looking at a face value, and there would be no other dominoes that would need to fall before this would happen, right? Like, it would have, like you couldn't have Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love and Will Levis all in the same room. That, that would not make any sense. Um, but that's hilarious. There's, there's Al- been some things that haven't made sense in the past that happened. <laughs> so I'm just sitting here like perplexed, confused. It's like Alonzo Mourning on the bench saying, no, well, maybe. maybe yeah. you know, <laughs> like talking yourself into it. Oh, uh, it's outstanding. Well, uh, Ben, you're going to, uh, I'm not going to say goodbye to you yet because you're actually going to stick around after this segment uh, with Ross Tucker. Let's now get to pick six. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, excited to welcome back to the show for Pick 6, my friend Ross Tucker. Ross, we're not going to pick any games this week, but we are going to talk a little bit about some of your big takeaways from the college football season. But before we get there, a quick update, because you caught up some ground, my friend. Uh, A four-point swing this past week in championship weekend. You have now taken a one-point lead. You hit on both pick-ems. Kansas State upsetting TCU. Tulane over UCF, so you caught me four points there. Uh, You got the push on the Keishon Butte catches over Brock Bowers in the uh, SEC title game so uh, you now have a one point lead you came within a razor's edge of getting your upset special as well Akron just one point shy of Buffalo on Friday night but uh, you've got a one I point lead go through them again Fran I want to make sure I know I, I like that I have the lead so which ones did I win again so you got uh, Tulane over UCF Kansas, yes. K- Kansas State over TCU and then yeah. we, we had the Will uh, Howard Downingtown West, a big time move uh, on your part. And then we had the uh, the who had more catches, Kayshawn Butte or Brock Bowers in the SEC title game. We gave the push to Butte, uh, and you picked Butte because of the push. Well, they pushed. Both guys had six catches, and so uh, you got the point there. I had Clemson sacks over Drake May touchdowns. I won that one four to one, but uh, you were able to uh, to get four points on me with those pickums, man. So you now have a one point lead as we go into ball season. I love it. I'm ready to go. What do we got today? All right, so for today, we are going to go through uh, the top 10 players. You're doing games every single week here for college football. Uh, so I wanted to see the, the top players that you've seen in person. We haven't talked about that with you uh, really throughout the course of the fall. So uh, we'll, we'll start at number 10 and work our way up. Top 10 guys you saw live this year in college football with games you called. Yeah, so this is – I want to say this, first of all. I think I did 14 games, okay. maybe, something like that. And I am sure I'm forgetting someone, Fran. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I even went back through my games. I looked at the schedule. And I'm sure along the line, I'm forgetting someone that played really well or is a really good prospect. But there's something to be said for me naming the 10 best guys. When I look at my whole season schedule, Yep, 10 guys I remember, right? The 10 guys that really jumped out to me. Because there's guys – from some of these schools that have that were really good players that I kind of forgot about. Um, but these are 10 guys that jumped out to me. And what I love about this is I haven't gone over this with Fran at all. No, so I he have has no idea, no idea who I'm about to say. Um, this is not in top 10 order. Okay. This is basically in the order of me looking at the games I called. Got it. Okay. Who jumped out? I did two of this young man's games this year. He's really special. UAB running back Dwayne McBride. Yep. Okay. He has really good contact balance and vision, and he's impressive. Like, first guy does not take him down ever. I would expect, I don't know if they're in a bowl or not, but I would expect him to leave school and go to the NFL unless he gets like crazy NIL money. Mm. But Dwayne McBride was the best running back I saw this season. So uh, he's a guy that's definitely he's definitely on my sheet. I have not studied him yet, but the contact balance uh, definitely attracts me to him. A, a junior, 5'11", 215. Uh, I'm just going through my notes. I know he was second-team all-conference last year. He was a member of Bruce Feldman's freak list uh, this year. A low 4'5 guy at 215. So uh, impressive uh, measurables there for Dwayne McBride. Who'd be number nine? Eastern Michigan defensive end Jose Ramirez. Got it. Nice. He's going to the Shrine Bowl. I, I think he had four sacks against Western Michigan, it was really interesting because early in the – I saw him against University of Buffalo, and he did nothing. 
And then against Western Michigan, they had totally changed the defense, Fran, to get him isolated, to get him. He was too much playing to the strong side, too many double teams. They put him to the open side and just told him to go. And it changed. It changed their season. Mm. It changed their defense. You talk to the defensive coaches for Eastern Michigan, it changed their entire season. They got on the open side. He was getting pressure, TFL sacks like crazy. And Eastern Michigan's eight and four, unbelievable season for them. So he started his career at Arizona, went to junior college. He's a sixth-year senior. It was a little bit of a slow burn for him. He was only third-team All-Mac last year, so really came on this year as a senior. You talked about some of the big games, uh, now heading to the Shrine Bowl. But Jose Ramirez, a part of this senior class, a guy we'll be talking about here, probably day three of the draft. Who would be number eight for you? Well, I saw six of his games, and I'm calling one more on Saturday. Okay, And, And that's Andre Carter from Army. Just a rare, rare athlete. Um, he'll probably be over 6'6". You know, they list him at 260. He's more like 250. I, I talked to him a couple weeks ago. He's an interesting one, Fran, because the way they play him, he's taught to come off the edge, and he's going upfield. So he's going upfield and attacking the quarterback on the zone read stuff. He's not necessarily playing things the way you would want him to play. There is some concern about him against the run right now. I will say this, tough as nail. Played an army for yeah. four years yeah. like op- against the option. He almost looks small when you look at him, upper body. He is going to be, when he's not getting up at 6 a.m. and doing all the military training, he is going to be a 265, maybe 270% 270-pound monster who has cat-like quickness and crazy change of direction. I talked to a bunch of scouts about him. I think he'll probably be a day two pick. Yep. I don't think he's a first-round player unless he tears up the senior bowl. But the upside – he's probably a situational rusher to start. But look out once they give him 10 more pounds of upper body strength. Because you just don't get guys with that size and length that have his change of direction and movement skills. I mean, he's got several interceptions. When he drops in coverage, he looks good. Mm. Yeah, and that's why I was. I'm glad you hit on a, a lot of those things. I was going to ask you was, uh, you know, what do you think that the the ultimate draft ceiling is? I was going to ask you if you felt like he would be a top 100 pick. It's been like five decades since we've seen a top hundred top 100 pick from a military academy. But uh, you saying that he's a day two guy, I'm, I'm going to buy it. I think you're obviously betting on the come with Andre Carter, but a, a really interesting prospect who'd be number seven on your list. Another D lineman. He'll he'll play DN for San Diego State. He'll be a D tackle. Jonah Tavai. Yep. This guy I'm a big fan of. He is like six foot 290, <laughs> moves very well. He's not a run stuffing guy. He moves really well. Lateral, good with his hands. He to me is like your ideal rotational D tackle that you take, and he gives you quality reps right from the start. Yeah, a guy that has been all over the place when all the pressures that he's been able to put on opposing quarterbacks. San Diego State has done a really good job of generating uh, defensive linemen going to the NFL. Tavai looks like he's next up on that list. Who's next up for you? Air Force running back Brad Roberts. Okay. I don't know what he is as a pro prospect. He might not even be one. Right. He's the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year. Never missed a game to injury. 28 straight starts, I think. Back-to-back 1,500, 1,400-yard seasons. I don't know what he is as an NFL player. I would like to see him try to put on 15 pounds and see if he can be a fullback that can block because he's tough as nails and he's a really good runner, like really good. And he's a good pass catcher if you throw it to him. I just... I think somebody somebody's going to give him a shot, and they should. You just don't get that many yards. Nobody ever gets a clean shot on him. You don't get that many carries without doing something right. Can he can he be a mismatch guy in the pass game, Ross? In your mind, athletically, maybe they, there's no proof of that. Yeah, though. 
That's going to be fascinating. You know I mean? he, he, was a guy, he was a first-team all-conference player for the Mountain West uh, as a redshirt sophomore. You mentioned that the production that's there, and had, he had the huge year this year. Uh, it's going to be fascinating. I know uh, most people view him as a fullback transitioning, but uh, that will be an interesting uh, move moving to the NFL. All right, five up, five down. Who's next up for you? So this is going to surprise you. You got to check this dude out. Okay. He got hurt, but watching him on video, he's got another year. Akron quarterback DJ Irons. Okay. Fran, it's like 6'6", 215. Very explosive when he elects to run. Like when he tucks it away, he's just got some, some juice to him. Okay. But the throws that Joe Moorhead had him making, deep out from the opposite hash, deep out opposite hash, over and over and over again. And he was getting it there accurate on a line. He got hurt in the game I did against Eastern Michigan. He got hurt in the Maction game, but he has some, he was the most impressive, most physically impressive quarterback I saw the whole year. I'm just looking at the so it's a junior college transfer. Uh, the, the, that that offer that that high school has put out some some big ones. Uh, Wayne Gallman uh, was a big time player coming out. Uh, the Kemdiches, uh, a couple big time recruits uh, when they were coming out, and uh, this kid ended up going JUCO first uh, and then going over to Akron. Started three games last year, and then you mentioned the injury this year. But uh, I have not done DJ Irons, but uh, I'm, I'm going to take your stamp of approval. It was this episode last year, Ross, where you first mentioned Andre Carter to me uh, as a guy to watch moving forward. So uh, maybe DJ Irons is that guy this year. Who's next up? This is a strange one. San Diego State wide receiver Tyrell Shavers. Stats aren't very good. I mean, he's like, he might be top five in the country in yards per reception. Okay. They don't throw him the ball very much. Fran, you got to watch this guy. By far, the best guy I saw on special teams all year. Oh, nice. By far. He's a Mississippi State transfer. He's like 6'3 and a half, 218. And this guy is hell on wheels. He made, I mean, you watched the video. He has a couple touchdowns. He's a good receiver. He's a fine receiver, but this is a difference making special teamer. I mean, like every punt, every kickoff, he flew down there and made the tackle as soon as the guy caught it. It, he's fun to watch. I love it. All right, so not even just, oh, yeah, he's a good return man. Like, he's a good cover guy on special teams. And when you have that size uh, th- with that uh, pedigree as a special teamer, that can go a long, long way. I love this one. All right, so this, this is that's like sneaky draftable late in the draft, uh, and someone that will definitely be in play to make a roster next summer. Who's next up? we got three guys left. Western Michigan D lineman Braden Fisk. Okay, yep. He just entered the portal. This guy's a dude. This guy's like 300-pound D-tackle that moves really well. Was a pulling guard in high school. Never even played like defense, but they saw him at Western Michigan, saw him at a camp, and they were like, they had him on defense for five plays at the camp. The coach at the high school he went to didn't believe in guys going both ways. Um, Very impressive. Very impressive. Against the run, against the pass. I mean, he's a he's a... One of the best prospects in the MAC. Love it. And going uh, going into the portal, as you mentioned, so we'll keep an eye there on a landing spot. Who's uh, who's next up? City Sal. O lineman from Eastern Michigan. He's played guard. He's played tackle. He's 330. He's very powerful. Love the position versatility. Can play either guard, either tackle. Could probably even play center. Um, maybe the best interior O lineman in. In, in the Mac, maybe the best O lineman in the Mac. I had several coaches tell me that. Mm. I, I don't have City Sal on my list, so that is outstanding. That, that's a good addition. Last one for you, Ross, and we'll get you out. UTSA quarterback Frank Harris. Okay, yep. Everybody knows about him. I don't even know what he's like as a pro prospect. He's a phenomenal college football player. Phenomenal. Like, smooth, clutch, makes the plays when you have to. He's just very, very impressive. Now he's at San Diego State, or he's at UTSA for like nine years. They say he's the mayor of uh, San Antonio, but he's a guy. He's to me like a Tyler Huntley, where it's like I don't think he's a starter, but if you're going to have this kind of offense, he's a guy that if your quarterback's out for a few weeks, he could come in and he could do okay with it. Uh, what do you think of the receiver there? 
Well, they had three. Yeah. That were all good. Sakari Franklin, yep. Yeah, they were all good. But they had a, they had several that were impressive. But Franklin was pretty impressive, yeah. All right. Well, Ross, uh, I snuck a 11 out of you. Uh, really appreciate the time here once again on the Journey of the Draft podcast. We'll be back next week. Uh, once bowl season gets underway, we'll be uh, going through the, uh, the our weekly picks. We'll see if I can take over the lead. But, Ross, we'll appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Thanks, friend. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. All right, so great stuff there from Ross Tucker. Let's now get into our draft mailbag where the scouts doubt longtime listener left a five-star review with a comment that included a mock draft. She said, Fran, just submitting a mock draft for some of your takes, obviously being an Eagles fan, might be a little biased in who I wanted them to pick with a smiley face. So, uh, Ben, we're just going to buzz through this. Just quick thoughts, quick reactions as I'm reading yep, these out to you. Okay, so uh, top five picks here for the Eagles. The Eagles are picking six in this mock draft. So the top five, Bryce Young, Will Anderson, number one and two to Houston, Chicago, uh, chalk picks. Lions at number three, taking C.J. Stroud, quarterback from Alabama. Seattle Seahawks taking Miles Murphy at number four. Panthers taking Will Levis at number five. Very similar to the mock draft we broke down earlier. Uh, again, uh, Levis going NFL five instead of Richardson. That seems yep. like a big, uh, big spot there. Yep. yep. All right. So Eagles at number six taking Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter uh, for the second year in a row, taking a Georgia defensive tackle in the first round. Uh, Jalen Carter here in Philly, what do you think? Uh, great pick. I think yeah. Yeah, he'd fit right into this defensive line room. A lot of energy, two-way player, three-down player, high-level prospect, luxury riches here with this defensive line room. All right, rounding out the top ten, you've got Kaylee Ringo, Jordan Addison, Paris Johnson and Quinton Johnson. So again, I think I feel like Quinton Johnson is being more accepted as a Quinton Johnson, top uh, Jordan Addison, seeming like their uh, first round mm. consistency in, in mock drafts. All right, so now we go pick 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. I'll give you 15 here. Uh, all right, so we got Michael Mayer to the Jaguars at 11. Whoa, interesting. But, yeah, yes. Mayer is officially in the draft. He declared he's not playing in the bowl game. So Michael Mayer definitely in this draft. Broderick Jones, the Georgia left tackle, going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Joey Porter Jr. to the Lions. This is becoming like a chic pick. I'm seeing this uh, off. And I do like the fit a lot. I think Porter Jr. Uh, to Detroit makes a lot of sense. Tyree Wilson Jr. going to the Colts. I actually think that one makes a lot of sense as well. I could see. I, I think there's a lot of uh, boxes that could be checked there with Tyree Wilson in the Colts. The uh, Atlanta Falcons taking Christian Gonzalez, the Oregon corner, uh, pairing him with AJ Terrell uh, would make for a, a fun pairing. Yep. Yeah, it's a good combo out there. I really like a lot of these players. I think Broderick Jones is a top half of the first round pick all day long. Pittsburgh can use some offensive line help. Um, yeah, Joey Porter Jr. going out there opposite Jeff Akuda. They could use some help on the back end. Tyree Wilson to Indianapolis. I think Indy just has too many other needs to address. They need yes. to add some receivers, maybe another old lineman, maybe a left tackle the future there. Um, Christian Gonzalez, definitely a first-round pick. Now, I don't know if I like him in the scheme there in Atlanta, but a great proposition uh, opposite of A.J. Terrell. All right, so the Seahawks take safety Brian Branch, your boy, uh, from uh, from Alabama. I, th- I think he'll be a first-round pick <clears throat> when it's all said and done. Pairing him with Miles Murphy. So the Seahawks come out with Miles Murphy and Brian Branch in the first round. Uh, be a pretty good haul for them. Yeah, not bad. All right, so Chargers taking Peter Skaronsky. That's a common one. Uh, Patriots taking Jackson Smith and Jigba. I could see that one coming to fruition. The Bucks taking Cam Smith. You and I have talked about this one. Uh, I love that fit. I think that make that fits the, the Bucks defense uh, and the way that they drafted corners very, very well. Uh, the Commanders taking Clark Phillips III, the uh, Utah corner. Wow, interesting. Yeah, a little undersized, but I think uh, Commanders need to get some uh, younger and a little more spark on the back end out there. Um, Skronsky to the Chargers is interesting. Rejoin his uh, Northwestern teammate, Rashawn Slater. Have to assume he's going to be the left guard of the future there. Yep. I think Skronsky's an inside player. All right, so let's go next five here. Baltimore Ravens taking Brian Brezzi uh, to Clemson. I can see that. That, yep. that makes like a lot that. of sense. Uh, Osiris Torrance going to the Jets. Osiris Torrance to the Jets. They just went and got Nate Herbig and Lakin Tomlinson to hold down the guard spots, both in free agency. Both done a pretty good job. I could see him being maybe a Jets scheme guy. They yep. rely a little bit too much on outside zone, but a pretty versatile run game with Michael LaFleur's offense out there. Osiris Torrance is a tough guy to peg. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think you hit on all the right notes with him earlier. Uh, Jared Verse, the Florida State defensive end, going to the Cincinnati Bengals. Trenton mm. Simpson, going for the uh, linebacker from Clemson, going to the New York Giants. We play, the Eagles played the Giants uh, here this week, so we've watched a lot of them on film over That's the last couple of weeks. That's a great pick. Love that For Wink Martindale's scheme out yep. there, which they're just dying to get linebackers yep. off the field, adding more of a hybrid kind of safety, loose you know, playmaking player. 
I don't think that guy would ever come off the field for Wink Martindale. Yeah, you're doing the Broncos this week. And yep. so what are your thoughts on Dewan Jones, the Ohio State right tackle uh, ending up there? Yeah, I think the, the Broncos definitely need to improve some of the offensive line. They need to get healthy. I think Garrett Bowles needs to get back out there. Dalton Risner has been banged up. He hasn't looked the same. Probably need a center of the future. Quinn Miners can hold down the right guard spot and then leaves uh, that right tackle spot for big Dewan Jones. Uh, t- Tennessee Titans taking Darnell Washington. I think he so, fits a lot of what Titans pick. Yeah, yep. for the Titans pick, but new general manager. So we'll see how, how much that identity changes uh, draft-wise. We'll see who they d- decide to hire for that position. Dallas Cowboys selecting uh, Kayshawn Butte. Butte staying in school, yep. so we're, we'll pass that one. But they need a one. receiver, so that's a good, that's yep. a good uh, positional pick. Uh, the Bills selecting B. John Robinson, a popular Another pick. Another one, yep. the, the Minnesota Vikings taking Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee wide receiver. What do you think of that one? Interesting. I think they are looking for a solidified third receiver with Thielen and Jefferson there. They work in some K.J. Osborne. Having that some, speed over the top. Some Jalen Rieger. I think he has somebody with a little more threatening 4-3 speed to pair with them would be a great pick. Chiefs selecting B.J. Ojolari. I think that fits their profile of players they typically I don't think a lot of people round. are realizing the Chiefs need some more juice on the defensive yeah. line. They went and got George Carl Laftis, uh, but they need somebody to pair with Chris Jones out there. I think to Frank Clark experiment is probably uh, done after this year. All right, so that brings up the Eagles at 31. This is the final pick. Uh, B.J. Ojolari, a former teammate of the current Eagles pick here, Eli Ricks, the corner from Alabama, uh, who was previously at LSU. Big corner. Uh, what are your thoughts on Eli Ricks rounding out the first round? Yeah, big, tall, long, height, weight, speed, press corner. Went from LSU over to Alabama. Has some inconsistent tape and some wow tape. Not only in man-to-man coverage and plays on the ball, some really good zone coverage as well. He is an alpha type of corner. Just some raw tape out there. Mm. Um, I know some people kind of compare him to like a Jeff Akuda and expect that Jeff Akuda type kind of learning curve into the NFL. Um, but I could see him, you know, going to a, t- a team with, uh, you know, a veteran presence like here in Philly. Well, again, that was from the Scouts Doubt. And if you ever want us to break down a mock draft or a player rankings or anything, if you've got questions, go on to our Apple podcast page, leave it there in the comment section. We will break it down just like we did there for the Scouts Doubt. That, that was fun. Yeah, that was, that was a really good mock. My favorite pick, Scouts Doubt. Michael Mayer going to the Jags. Mm. I think he's going to continue to rise up boards. A lot of people have him pegged to the Bengals. Do you think he goes that high? I mean, that's 11. You think that's too high? Right. I think a team's going to fall in love with him. And I I see a lot of, you know, Cincinnati in the 20s. I think someone in the teens is going to like him. Could be Doug Peterson in an offensive mind that's very sure of themselves at the quarterback spot, very sure of themselves maybe at the skill player spot as they went and got Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, players like that. Doug Peterson, he kind of resembles a Brent Selleck type of player, maybe. All right, all right, um, all right. You know, maybe not a wow in any category, but it's going to give you a B-plus, three-down, Y-tight end all day long. Jacksonville could use that. Love it. All right, well, Ben, uh, we will be catching up with you next week here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. Everybody, make sure uh, you are subscribed. Look, we're, we're gearing up. We're getting ready for not just bowl season, but all-star game season right around the corner. We're just about a month and a half away um, from the trips to Las Vegas and to the Shrine Bar, to the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, the Combine right after that. If you want to be ahead of the curve on who the top prospects are, who you want the Eagles to draft, or whoever your favorite team is, make sure you're subscribed right here to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand.